One of the sweet moments with Chandler was one of the last episodes of the series and Rachel comes in to say she's moving to Paris and Chandler says, it's like when Melrose Place was canceled and everyone looks at him like, what the heck are you talking about, dude? And he takes a beat to try to save face and then he just says, I forget it. I miss Melrose Place. (laughs) And I thought that was so sweet and also kind of giving permission to the people who were already saying, I'm just going to miss Friends when it's over. And I did miss it. We were scheduled to talk today. And last night we got the news. Maria texted me. Actually, let me read you the text because I don't get news alerts on my phone. I'm too old for that. It says, not Matthew Perry. I'm sorry, dude. Then that's when I texted you. Yeah, I didn't hear until you messaged me. We haven't even technically pushed out any episodes yet. As of this recording, we don't have anyone listening. It's just us. (laughs) But it seems silly to have two Gen X white ladies do a podcast about television and not talk a little bit about Matthew Perry and Chandler and friends. So we're just going to do a little mini-sode as a tribute and just talk about it in real time. We haven't talked about it yet. We texted about it a little bit last night. The only other show that was probably as foundational was Sesame Street in my life. I'm not certain it was the same for other people our age, but certainly the years that it was on the air, we were just leaving high school into our 20s, not mirroring our experiences, but that age of life. About Matthew Perry, I want to say, we can talk about Chandler after we talk about the person. A lot of the tributes that I've seen so far have referenced his struggles and I think that's fair and that's fine. That's something that he talked about openly, but also that I want to acknowledge that he never stopped working on getting and staying sober. I thought about his family, of course, and the other cast members. And then I thought about some people woke up today and were like, I don't have a sponsor anymore. Somebody was helping me stay sober. So this not to get too much on my soapbox, but this couching of addiction in this moral language, or isn't it sad he wasted, isn't it sad he had these demons, whatever. It discounts, I think, the totality of the person. It reduces them to this one thing. He turned his house into a kind of a halfway house to help people in that way. He had some extremely difficult health challenges attributed to his addiction. But as we know, that is a vicious cycle. Once you have something that you're trying to medicate, whether it's emotional or psychological or physical pain, and he was a young athlete as well, it's a chicken or egg thing. These things we don't 100% understand. There'll be a lot of tributes and a lot of people talking about what he meant in the canon as an actor. On one hand, you can count the kind of iconic game-changing comedic actors in roles and Matthew Perry as Chandler Bing is undoubtedly in that top five absolutely 
John Ritter is another one who we still miss. The time of life when I was watching those Three's Company reruns informed how I started to view physical comedy to this day. I still, in my classes, will post clips of Jack Tripper being folded into an ironing board because it's never (laughs) not funny to me. And Matthew Perry, in that way, that same kind of high level of physical and intellectual comedy and slapsticky and base level comedy. Oh gosh, what a gift he had. I was thinking about, first of all, how just how sad it is now that there's one less friend. Mm. Whether you watch the show or not, or whether you grew up with it, or if, if it was a part of your your pop culture memories at all, to acknowledge when there's a core group and then someone dies, it, it changes that uh, they work together. They were a real family. And that's a sad just thing to think about. Paul still has Ringo. Ringo still has Paul. I remember we watched Friends in Health Class. Remember that? Was it you that convinced, who was it, Mr. Cantori to let us watch it because there was great stuff about interpersonal relationships and people that were close to us in age. That was so strange and also just exactly right. Just a couple of years ago, my nephew, who would have been, I don't know, maybe 12 at the time, was really into Friends. He just, he found it probably on some streaming network and really got into it. I think my sister got him a trivia game. And he knew so much of it. He just absorbed that show and it was funny to him just as it had been funny to us when we watched it originally. He knew everything. He knew more than we did. I kept thinking, I was like, how does this kid know more than me about a show that was actually of my time? James said, he was like, that's somebody who was, who was practically in your house that lived there. And I, I referenced that show a lot of everybody. I think he had the, the best comic timing. He was just natural. And his just deadpan delivery. He was always my favorite, I think. It's just sad. I, I would be sad no matter what yeah. he tried. It, it is, it's just a, a, a forever battle. When he went on his book tour over the last year, I hope that he felt mm-hmm. and received the kind of love that people are putting out today. I hope he got some of that. Back at him. Long, long story short, Chandler was my favorite. I think the reason is he grew the most over the whole series. Mm-hmm. He started as appropriate for the age at the time, silly and immature, and then grew into a reliable, not just friend, but partner and spouse. And, yeah. and a dad. Dad, by the end, I think he made the biggest arc in the whole series. It's weird, of course, when we grieve people we never knew. But it was because Chandler quit his job, his soul-sucking job, Mm -hmm. and took an internship in advertising that I quit my (laughs) soul-sucking job and took an internship in publishing. (laughs) I thought... uh, Even though a lot of people do that, I give all credit to Chandler's storyline for me going, Chandler's doing it. Um, (laughs) I love that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it was me that told Mr. Cantori to to turn Friends on, but I use clips from Friends in my classes to illustrate 
a, a few things. One of the things is a generic thing about symbolism when Joey gives Chandler the bracelet and, yeah. and Chandler calls <laughs> it the woman repeller and the knockoff from the Gucci house of crap. He is embarrassed to wear it, but also he doesn't want to hurt Joey's feelings. The discussion that we have about that is not just what does this bracelet represent? What do people, what do Phoebe and Rachel think about it? What does the girl in the coffee shop mm-hmm. think about it? What does Chandler think about it? What does Joey think about it? Also, what did it say in 1997, 96, 97, maybe when that episode ran, about what what he thought it meant to be masculine, mm. what Joey thought it meant to be masculine? I do think one of the things, when we look back at Friends now and in another 10 years and in another 10 years, that's one of the things that I would credit Chandler and Joey with is it was still at the expense of some of that anti-gay comedy, but it pushed what we believed two straight men, how close they could be to each other, how affectionate they could be with each other, how much they could rely on each other. Prior to that, looking at two straight men in another sitcom, I can't think of any two that weren't brothers that were allowed to be that close, that were allowed Mm -hmm. to be that interdependent. Friends was a template for so many shows after that. They they established so much. And, and all of that is because of the cast and what they, they brought in on their own. And, and like we've said a million times, in different hands, it would have been a different show. But uh, I think people spent their careers trying to, to recreate that vibe that they had on set, that dynamic and to get that kind of a laugh and to have that that staying power after so many decades now. Some of my favorites were, oh my gosh, I loved it when he broke up with Janice and he was depressed and he wouldn't get out of his sweatpants. And then he wants to go to a strip club. So all the girls take him to the strip club because Joey and Ross aren't around to take him <laughs> to the strip club. He gets so annoyed because he just wants to objectify these women, but all the girls are talking to the strippers and asking him about their education and their future plans and things like that. And then he gets home and he's back in his sweatpants. (laughs) I think those were my favorite moments where he's deep in his bones, annoyed with people, like how no one, the running joke that no one knew what his job ever was, ever. Mm -hmm. And he was Mm -hmm. like the episode where they do the, the trivia game to win and they switch apartments mm-hmm. and they ask like, that's one of the questions what's Chandler Bing's job no one knows yeah. and I think that's the same episode where what's the name on the Rolling Stone that gets delivered it's Chandler Bong yeah yeah like everything about him is just that they, they just don't know that yeah. no one can ever get his name right no one knows what his job is yeah. just so deeply annoyed by all of it yeah all those double takes he gave he was this character who would rather pretend to move to Yemen, get on a plane, <laughs> to go to Yemen, than confront a girlfriend and hurt her feelings. Yeah. Uh, the episode where everybody's crying, one of the storylines of the episode is that Chandler doesn't cry. He's never cried. <laughs> and at the end, he starts weeping because Ross and Rachel have a sweet, moment where they make up about something and monica goes oh my god are you crying he says i just don't understand why they can't work this out (laughs) what else can you say he was an important part of television history and our 
our young adulthood. Oh, wait, this is the one. Okay, then I'll stop. Oh, this is the one. The episode when Phoebe finds out about him and Monica, mm -hmm. he has is going to seduce her just so he doesn't have to admit that he and Monica are sleeping together. <laughs> When they're talking in the apartment, they're and they're playing chicken with the seduction. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so cringy! It's so good. Isn't it uh, awkward? He goes to touch her boob. <laughs> yeah, anyway, that is the best one. I one more. I remember when he gets stuck in the the ATM, the vestibule, and uh, it's Jill Goodacre, and he's still yeah. sure he's dumb, and he's trying to. There's a pen on a chain, and he keeps. Trying to keep himself just good physical comedy as well. Yeah. Really, out of all of them, he was probably the most physical with his comedy, I would think. Oh, yeah. I was trying to think of some storylines he had with everybody. Of course, mostly with Matt LeBlanc. But the one he had with Rachel about the cheesecakes that kept getting delivered. <laughs> right. This is Joey's punchline, but I giggled so hard and I still laugh. They drop the cheesecake on the floor in the hallway <laughs> yeah they start eating it off of the floor and joey comes along and he says what do we eat and he takes a fork out of his pocket <laughs> they all kind of acknowledgement i'll acknowledge it and then they just go right back to it. <laughs> i feel like there's an instance in my life at least once a month where i quote that show oh for sure the other day I was vacuuming and everything was so dusty and it had kicked up so much dust. I said, I told James about the episode where Monica is vacuuming and then she vacuums her vacuum with the smaller yeah. vacuum. And they all walk in and look at her like she's insane. And she's like, I only wish there was a smaller one to clean this one. <laughs> I don't know if it was the same episode, but when she's cleaning something and Phoebe goes, I don't want to upset her. She's so happy. <laughs> 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 oh gosh oh man oh, rest in peace Matthew indeed. Perry and long live Chandler Bing indeed